Dark Tides is a show made for an adult audience. Featuring scenes of graphic or implied violence, mature themes, horror, gore, and intense scenes. Viewer discretion is advised. For full content warnings on each episode of this coming arc, check the episode's description. The mountain town of Slate Ridge is nestled into the plateau of the mountain, where it shelters from the cold winds and more than the occasional snowstorm. It's surrounded on every side by cliffs and deep valleys, all of which are covered in the dead pines, an endless rotting expanse of grey trunks and brown needles. They creak and moan in the wind. We find our motley crew of operatives and investigators spread thin across the town as night falls fast and already they can hear the unearthly howls of their quarry in the pines. But this begs the question, who is the hunter and who is the prey? What are Ernest and Alistair doing? Heath, Heath, come in, Heath. We've got a problem. They're, this is a lot bigger than we thought, and they're on the move. They're Wendigos, Heath. Heath, come in! You get static. It's not the type of static of, oh, it's not connecting. It's more that no one's responding and this isn't weird to you whenever Heath goes into a mission like into the mission mode he very rarely answers his radio he's dealing with the people who are with him more than whoever's on the radio Ernest uh, uh, spins around okay. it's like uh, uh, Randy radio there Randy my, uh, my lantern yep yeah I'm here uh, Ernest takes from Randy a large metal lantern with the whole you know uh, glass Center and all that type of stuff, and he clicks it on with a lighter, and he turns a valve that feeds more oil to it, and like lets more air in, and it starts to glow brighter and brighter until it's illuminating the area they're in. It's like, okay, all right. Well, this isn't uh, this isn't a great start to the evening. Um, Ernest's going to grab his walkie-talkie, and you can see it's a very different type of walkie-talkie to yours. It's like a Woolworths <laughs> walkie-talkie. It's it's a Walmart <laughs> walkie-talkie. It's not. It's tiny. It's just it's a, Sherman. Sherman, can you hear me? Uh, you hear crackling static and a voice muddled through, and then it comes through clear. Uh, yep, I think I got you. Okay, Sherman, I need you to lock down. The Wendigos are on the move now. I need you to bring everyone in, including Davo. Don't let him stay in the van. I know he wants to stay in the van. Bring him in. Oh, okay. Um, all right, inside, defense is set. We can do that, but are you going to be able to get in? Uh, that's... We're going to head towards the town. we got to make sure that everyone else is is moving. Right, are you sure you don't need backup? Those guys need help. Those guys need someone to protect right, them. I'll get them locked down, and if you need me, you call me. I'll just take the van. I mean... What's the worst that can happen? A lot. All right, chat later. Okay, Ernest, uh, you and Randy start heading towards the town. Try and maybe get people inside. I, I don't know how close they are. I'm gonna. I'll meet up with you in a second. I'm just gonna try and see if I can find any of my people. Alistair, we can't separate. That's exactly how they hunt. It's all right. I'll. I'll be fine. Uh, he then switches communicator. He's like You're, coming towards fine. you. He's just staying behind a bit. <laughs> That's. I'll be fine. There's puck, just sharks puck, in the in water. Puck. And he's Ernest, saying this as shush, he's like taking puck. off with a run towards the town. It's like, Randy, with me. Puck, come in. We've got Wendigos on the move. We're, we're under attack. 
Puck crackles in. Uh, yep, Alistair, sorry, what was that you said? We're under attack, they're moving in. Wendigos. Said, oh, I thought you said waffles. Right, Wendigos. Puck! Sorry, I'm trying to remember. Like oh, big flesh-eating oh, oh, monster yeah, they're, things. They're yeah, really okay. bad. Um, Lots of them. Right. Well, uh, what, what did Heath say? We can... We can hear them. I, he's not picking up as usual. Hold on, just back it up a little bit for me here, Alistair. Um, how do you know this? Darnell said he didn't know what it was. Well, but we can hear them, and sure? Ernest told me that that's that's why that's uh, why he's here. He knows that. Ernest. Now, I'm not trying yes. to be rude. This isn't this isn't like a. a, a I know it just comes so naturally thing. to you, doesn't it? This isn't like a me trying to suss out where Puck, I stand in a we don't circle. have time for this I'm conversation right I'm now. I'm talking. I can multitask. Something you wouldn't know about, Alistair Stern. Oh, well, that's just offensive. All right, it might be a little bit sexist, but it wasn't directed at you more than it needed to be. Anyway, what are we doing? Hey, don't touch that. Alistair has stopped responding. <laughs> All right. And then, and then you just hear that as a pause, he's like, get everyone inside. Fine. Which side? Good. Which inside? The library. We talked about this. Did we? We've spent all... I feel like Alistair yes. has to have worked out by now that she's just winding him <laughs> up. <laughs> Ernest sprints down the hill down towards the town, going through a break in the, the metal-linked fence and holding it open for Randy. They head in. What does the street kind of look like? What are we looking at town-wise? What was like a description of it? All right, as you round the bend uh, and you come out onto this street... Uh, you can see that the town is very small. You could effectively walk from one side of the settlement to the other clear in about half an hour. You could run it in 10, 15 minutes. Um, as you look down this street, you can see that there are several houses. There's maybe three or four on the right-hand side of the street, maybe six on the left. Only two of them have lights on. The rest seem to be closed up, either abandoned or that the people have moved away. You can see that the gardens are often overgrown. Some of them are quite dead, similar to the pine forest. You can see cars here and there, but there's very few of them. You can hear a dog barking. The houses are all um, wood panelled, older. Some of them are in pretty bad shape. Uh, Randy has climbed through the fence and he's asking, he's like, okay, um, so Ernest, in terms of defensive capabilities, what are we talking about? Like, how, how do you how do you injure a Wendigo? How do you fight them? I, I'm, I'm, I know you don't want to kill them, but I'm just saying, like, for our own defence. Ernest is striding out along the road, checking along each street, looking for more houses with lights on. He's holding the lantern up high, casting these large, long shadows to curl out from every object. Well, I'm... The, the mythology is a bit spotty in places, but silver is the main thing. Silver hurts them, so silver knives, anything like that. Yeah, I gave you a silver knife okay. in the van. You've got that? Uh, that was uh, a, that's uh, that, that, that switch blade his pockets. For. I didn't just give you a knife. Uh, it was... Anyway, it's all right. If you don't have uh, it, it's okay. Um, uh, no, no, I've got it, I think. Yep, okay. no, I've got it. 
where their main thing was they have either very thick skin or such matted fur that most types of implements don't work on them. Silver does because of its properties. Right. Uh, there's also stuff like lavender and all that type of stuff. And most thing, the main thing is fire. But yet again, the mythology was such a long time ago, they didn't have guns or anything like that. So I don't know how guns fit into all that. I feel like guns will probably do something to them. Aha! Uh, Randy, as you're saying this, has been like unbuttoning the top of his fireman's jacket and he pulls out a sawn-off 12-gauge shotgun and he's like, so this thing might be handy after all. And he breaks it open, puts two shells in, closes it again. All right. All right, Randy, see those lights over there? Those, those different houses? I want you to yep. go to each of them, all right? I want you on the radio the entire time. I don't want you to switch it off. I want to hear you breathing as you run. Okay, I want you to go to each of them. I'm going to handle the ones on this street. You go to the other ones. We tell them to... Where to go? Where to go? Uh, we get them out of the house. That's a start. That's a start. I suppose. Yeah, you hear a distant howl and then another closer. And then you hear the telltale crack of a gunshot and then another. Okay, so maybe not getting them into the street is a good idea. I think we should get them all into one building. Well, like, look for it. I'll, you, do, you start doing that. I'm going to get up and try and find a building that looks sturdy enough that we can hide them in, that we can get them into. Tia must have, like, a headquarters or something. At this point, Alistair runs up the street. No, Ernest, st- the library. Take them, take them to the library. That's our, that's our rendezvous point for Tia. Ernest clicks at Randy. Library. Okay, go. Right, you got it. Randy, like, dashes across the street to one of the houses with a light in it, vaults the front fence and starts like <laughs> pounding on the door yelling, police! <laughs> this is a drug bus. <laughs> police! ASIO! Something! Get out! <laughs> the tax man. Ibuprofen. It's Bob Dylan. Over the door. <laughs> he says something different every time. <laughs> It's Bob Dylan, you're under arrest. It's me, Pink Floyd, the band. You remember me from the good old days. <laughs> Guy on the wall. I'm another brick of the wall. Another brick you know of the wall. me. Both of you make a perception check for me. Five. Eleven. All right, Ernest, you are anxiously watching Randy because you feel like you might have just unleashed something upon the Let town. Let a dog off its lead. Yeah, you're really not sure if he's going to come back or what he's going to bring with him if he does. <laughs> you thought the Wendigos were the problem. <laughs> you're kind of like shifting from foot to foot going, eh, maybe I should go with him. Uh, when Alistair tugs on your sleeve and points down this street. Ernest. Hmm? They're closing in. Uh, now that Alistair has pointed out, you can see just as he can see that although the pines are shifting in the breeze, creaking and groaning, rustling as branches scrape together, you can see shadows flitting underneath them, staying out of the light. There's only one street light on this actual street and it's on the corner that you're on and in the darkness you can see shapes slipping between houses Ernest is going to lean into you Alistair and kind of pulling you back slowly as he whispers 
They're sensitive to hearing, but their main thing is they can see heat. They can see normally, but they're drawn to heat signatures. Great. So it doesn't matter much okay. of what we do. We can't really hide from them. So we got to get everyone in the street out. Just, yeah, focus on getting everyone to the library. I'm going to run and take the street on the other side. And, uh, yeah. Okay, radio me as well. And he's going to, like, chuck you a spare one of his mini little uh, walkie-talkies as he takes up running along the street. Alistair catches it. Uh, like, he's already running as he catches it and, like, does a little wave and then runs off the opposite way to, like, the other end of that street to try and get the other side off. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, Randy is coming up the the street now, dragging, like, an elderly woman and her adult son behind him. Get out of here. This is an emergency. Do you not understand? The good doctor's on. I need to watch the good doctor. I watch it every Sunday the night. The good doctor's going to be dead in a minute if you don't come. Well, I doubt it's going to happen. I doubt it's going to go down like House did. House was my personal favourite, but that ending was just too, far too sad. I feel like the good doctor has a much better chance You're going to end happy. in a minute. Well, that's Grandma, very rude. You're going to end far too soon in a minute if you don't get out. Move. We, the town is under attack. What part of the town under attack do you not understand? Well, you lived well, through the war, did the you? Attack Come part, on. And then secondly, the town part. This isn't much of a town, really. It's more of a tightly uh, <clears throat> your community. Ernest is running from door to door, banging on them, listening, moving to the next one, just in case someone's asleep there or gone to bed very early. He's jumping over uh, picket fences that have worn paint, running across dead lawns, some with tufts of really long brown grass, just going to door to door along the street, constantly looking behind him. All right. Alistair's run into the, the other side, the other end of the street, and he's kind of looking around at all the, the windows and realising that it's, there's got to be a faster way to do this. He thinks for a minute uh, and then pulls out his pistol and like fires two shots into the air um, to like make more noise. And he's like, the town, this is an emergency. Everybody get to the library. Alistair, as you were doing this, Ernest, you are taking a shortcut through one garden. You're hauling yourself over the fence, uh, trying to keep your your lantern aloft. As you drop to the other side of the fence, um, you instinctively turn and you are almost nose to nose with Puck Welsh, who is staring at you. Ernest pauses. That's the angry one. You can see the Bowie knife in her hand. Oh, it's the very angry one. She's like, Oh, you're Alistair, friend. Yep. Okay. You know this, she's pointing at the light that you're holding. A little bit conspicuous. They can see heat. Doesn't matter. Did not know that. All right. And this is going to, like, run over to the main street. And it's like, where are you guys meeting? Like, do you have a plan for moving people out? What's Tia doing here? Uh, she steps out after you. She was clearly had like um, was about to go the opposite way over the fence, and then heard <laughs> you coming and like got down. She steps out after you into the street uh, and is speaking into her walkie-talkie as she does so. She says, "All right, number off. I need to know who's where." Uh, you hear voices crackling through, and you see figures moving up the street uh, on all different sides. People who are obviously plain clothes tier operatives are moving civilians. There's ones and twos. You then hear a voice booming out through the radio. All tier members, all of you, I want you all to move back. Back to the library. Now, back to headquarters. We're being pushed back here. I need everyone back. I want your number off. 
Talk to Puck. Talk to Alistair. Get back. Copy that, Chief. She turns to you, Ernest. She goes, all right, you heard the man. You better get along now. Look, I know that you've got your own thing going on here. Alistair kind of informed me of that much. The yellow is obviously a theme. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as everyone else is concerned, you are a civilian, which means that you are a walking danger and a liability. So you better turn yourself around, Huck, Ernest, take your little on, lantern, They're getting closer. and get in the library. Ernest pauses and smiles and cocks his head to the side slightly. He's like, you're right, I am a civilian. And T has new jurisdiction in this country. But let's keep walking. And this is going to start running towards the library. All right, you're, the three of you are heading up the street. You can see that um, Puck has deliberately left herself last. She's watching the backs of all of her operatives. There's about four of them who are moving now. They're at the end of the street and are heading for the open doors of the library. Puck stops, though, and turns as she hears something, looking down this street. This is the kind of... I think we're saying this is the next one up from the one that you were on just before. And she sees mm-hmm. the shadows moving down at the end of the street as well. As you watch, you see something flash through the air and a rock breaks one of the street lights above. Oh. The shadows increase a little more. Puck kind of rolls her shoulders and says very calmly, That's not good. Alistair, take your friend and go to the library. I'm just going to lay down a little smoke. And as she says that, right. she starts rolling up her sleeve. And you can see as she runs her hand along her arm to the elbow, where there is a tattoo of a smoke grenade. She pulls it off and begins to wind up like a baseball pitcher. As she's doing that, Alistair unclips one of the smoke bomb because he probably has one or two on his belt as mm-hmm. well. He unclips his and gives it to her so she has an extra and then starts pushing Ernest and any civilians there ahead of him. It's like, yeah. all right, come on, she everyone inside. She catches it deftly in her left hand and holds it behind her almost as the pitcher would with their glove. Wait, wait, wait where's Randy? Where's Randy? Randy comes sprinting from the other side. It's all right. My side's clear. All right. Stay close, Randy. Right. As you are all heading for the library, Puck is left on her own in the center of the street underneath one of the street lights. As she begins to wind up, pulling her leg up to her chest, she mutters to herself, okay, hey, bada, bada. And then lets loose. She pegs this smoke bomb as hard as she can straight down the street. And you actually hear a yelp at the end of the road as it impacts and then explodes and smoke begins to issue around as the uh, the grenade itself spins in place. And almost as quickly, yes. the second one follows and it's diagonally across the street where she's seen movement as they've tried to creep up the side. Uh, as soon as the second one is loosed, she turns and darts uh, for you guys. So are we at the entrance to the library now? Yeah. Uh, you can see that there are okay. tier members ushering people through. Most of the tier operatives are staying at the doors while they're ushering everyone through. You can see that there's a guy with a very small, uh, like, handheld megaphone. And as you approach, he kind of smiles very gently to the old woman uh, who you now realise is the one that Randy had brought. <laughs> Randy has since 
did you find Randy or not? Yeah, we found Randy. Found Randy. Um, yeah. He v- smiles very gently to her and then turns to you as soon as she's through the door and goes, uh, where is Heath? I, I don't know. He I I couldn't get him He's on the radio. He's not responding. He said he'd, he said he'd gone to Team 3. A, a Team 3 back? No. We haven't seen anything from Team 3 yet. Okay. Everyone else is here now, I'm pretty sure. Alistair holds up his communicator again. Heath, Heath, Team 3, come in. Where are you? We're at the library. We've got everyone else. What's going on? Just as you were standing here, I realised I didn't really describe the library. The library is one of the larger and older buildings in the town. It is on the the corner at the centre of town. It is an old greystone building, two storeys high, all stonework with heavy wooden doors and uh, barred windows. Alistair, you have done a little bit of reconnaissance earlier in the day. You know that uh, the main part of this building, the ground floor of it, um, some people would say first floor, I suppose, is the community hall. Uh, It's basically a big empty hall with a little cafeteria kitchen at one end um, and a stage right down the back for you know, school productions, community things. And upstairs is uh, the public library. You also know that there's a basement for storage and things. Uh, It seems like they're ushering people into the main area and keeping them there. You can see there are a few tier operatives setting out chairs and tables and things, trying to calm people down and give them a place to sit. Ernest is going to, once he's reached kind of the the opening before entering the, the library where all the crowds of people are moving through, He's going to turn on his heels and kind of clap Randy on the arm to stop him from moving forwards as well and kind of survey the area. What's up? So what are we kind of looking at street-wise? Like, what's the view out on the streets and all that? And I was going to say, Randy, we're not civilians here. We have our own job to do. I agree. All right, so from where you are, you're basically in the centre of the main street of town. There's maybe two blocks on either side from here. On your left, diagonally, Uh, across you can see happy stacks right down the end Uh, you know that opposite that on this side of the street is the surveyor's lodge the pub and hotel that the tier operatives had set up at on the right hand side far down the other end you can see uh, the little steeple of the closed church and the graveyard down there this is the way that you had come to the right and now you've moved into the main part of town Basically, everywhere you can see, there is not a lot of light. There's a couple of street lights here and there. Some are broken. Um, many were just never put in because the town is so small, mm-hmm. and there are very few house lights on. Yeah. It seems like the tier operatives have got most of the townspeople in now, or at least the people that they could immediately get to. Yeah. Okay. Um, make a quick perception check for me. Uh, eight. Eight. Um the wind has picked up a little and the rustle of the dead pines is quite loud, but even so you hear the telltale rat-a-tat-tat of automatic gunfire. Erst claps Randy on the, the side again. It's like, watch my back. And Erst is going to start running into the empty street. Yep. You are heading for uh, the space behind the Surveyor General. Yep. As he's running, Erst is going to pull up his walkie-talkie. Sherman? Yeah? Uh, you hear the crackle through and then the voice. Uh, yep. How are you guys going? Uh, pretty good. We're locked down, but we're hearing some noises. Uh, I think... Haven't seen anything yet. But my guess is that they're casing us. 
Alright, block off any top story stuff. They'll try and go through the roof. It's where the weakest points are. Oh boy, okay. Um, yep, yep, okay. If there's a basement or a bathroom, bathrooms usually have a concrete flooring, something sturdier than wood. Try to go there. Are we that worried about them trying to get into the house? Just be prepared for that. Make stages. I want a All three right. level stage of lockdown. I'll, I'll put, I'll get Davo and I'll get, was it Nat? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll get Nat. In Anthony. The yes. Bathroom. Okay. Yep, okay. Um, have you got Randy? I've got Randy. As Ernest, as you round uh, a bend in the road, you can see down the street from which you'd heard uh, the gunfire coming. You can see uh, darting shapes in the darkness at the very end in the trees, and you can see movement of people trying to make their way back from uh, behind the surveyor. You can see them uh, shuffling and moving their way around the building coming towards you into the car park Uh, it seems from first glance that a couple of the tier operatives were trying to get as much of their equipment uh, on foot to the library okay Ernest is going to start running up to them individually and trying to pull them around the the building to head towards like up the main street alright the first one you meet um, as you do you call out before you get there yeah Right, you call out, he spins round and levels what looks like um, a very compact rifle at you. Uh, it looks like the, the kind with a folding what? stock. Ernst holds the lantern what? up to his hey, head, hold it, hold it. still walking just as quickly and reaches around, around the gun and grabs him like around the wrist and starts pulling him. Right, you see, as soon as he sees uh, the light on your face and realises you're not one of them, he... Uh, relaxes a little. You can see that he is actually quite bloodied. He is bleeding from the scalp. Uh, and you can see that there are some gashes in his leg. He is limping badly. Urs is going to kind of pull him around the corner a little bit. Is he tear? Yeah, he's tear. Urs is going to hoist the lantern and jam it into his hand and look at him dead in the eyes like, if you see anyone else with you, grab onto them and take them to the library. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Right, go. Uh, he starts shuffling off. He's casting a lot of looks back over his shoulder at you, kind of wondering why he took orders from you. <laughs> no, move, go! Okay, I'm going! Randy's like, good! Uh, Randy's going to turn back and he's going to call out, Is anyone else out here? Does Randy have a torch? If anyone's here, get to the library. Huh? Uh, yeah, he'd have a torch. Or a headlamp or something. Okay, Ernst is going to pull from one of his pockets a flare, but he doesn't light it up just yet because he thinks that's going to do a bit more harm than good, probably. All right. Uh, It's at this point that you hear a skittering and then you hear slates dropping from the roof above you and breaking on the ground. Randy lifts his his gun up in ready and he's like, Ernest, get behind me. Start going back. Ernest pauses for a second as he feels like a skittle or something, just that of almost like electricity run through the scars on his back. And he kind of, his spine straightens a little bit and his neck kind of clicks into his shoulders a little bit as he brings his shoulders up a little, flexing a little, and spins around to the other side of Randy and twists the flare, bathing the whole area in a bright red light. Both of you make perception checks for me. Nine. Seven. 
Alright, um, Randy is slightly surprised by the ignition of the flare and shields his eyes, but he still catches a glimpse. Ernest, what you see, because you are looking for it, uh, is very little. You see a shift of movement as the creature distributes its weight to slide down the other side of the roof, but you catch the claws in the tiles of the roof. They are long and large. You catch the glimpse of a bony arm. Uh, You see a shuffling of hair caught in the light, the glint of red light on antlers, and then it's gone. Randy starts pushing you behind him. He's like, come on, Ernest, we've got to pull back. If they're already here, then anyone else out here... I hate to say it, but it might be too late for them. We've got to get ourselves safe now. Come on. I roll another nine. Do I see anyone else? You hear a scream. Ernest looks at Randy and says, We have a job. And he's going to start backpedaling towards the scream. Uh, The scream is coming from down past the building itself, down into... uh, Behind the pub, there would be some outdoor tables and stuff set up a little bit like a beer garden type of thing or an attempt at something like that. The scream is off down that direction, uh, heading out towards the trees, the way that the um, the tier operative had been coming from. Mm. Okay. Uh, just sprints it. Uh, yeah, Randy follows you as well. He's, he's not happy about it, but he follows you. All right. You, even as you're running... Uh, you can hear the shuffle of large creatures dashing uh, fast through the trees on your right. As you spin, you can um, your torches and the the flare are casting wildly moving shadows as you run. As the trees approach, it's hard to see anything, but you see the glint of eyes in the darkness. Two pairs, three pairs. Uh, as Randy's running you, he's like, Ernest, look, listen, you've brought me all the way out here to help, and that's great, but you need to get yourself back to safe. I'll find this person or whatever, but take yourself back, please, okay? And he, like, holds his hand out as though, give me the flare so that you can go back. Ernest spins around, still running backwards, <laughs> and looks at you, and he smiles and says I don't need to see another friend running off into the night with a flare we've got this Randy don't lose faith now we've got this yeah alright fine but at the very least stay behind me Ernest Ernest as you're still running backwards uh, you feel your back hit something not a tree nothing quite that hard more like a branch you feel it into your back and then you feel the claws dig into your jacket as you are hoisted into the air. Randy, you see a long arm, so long, with large, taloned claws reach down from a tree and grab Ernest by the back and the shoulder and fling him into the air. Randy is holding his shotgun in his right hand. He grabs Ernest's leg with his left hand and uses, because it's got hold of Ernest's jacket, he pulls on Ernest's leg and jumps up with his foot. So he's like 
using Ernest as like a rappelling rope to walk up on the creature, like pulling Ernest back down at the same time, and then brings his right arm up and just points the gun directly at its face and pulls the trigger to like pull Ernest back and shoot it at the same time. And I rolled an 11 for that. Wonderful. To be uh, clear in description, Ernest is kind of being pulled up into the branches of a tree. Uh, The creature's not on the ground. So... As you pull, you might like put a couple of feet up on the trunk of the tree. The creature itself, uh, in the spinning light and the flare, you just see a hulked back. You see uh, vertebrae coming out of the flesh of the back with matted hair growing over it. Uh, You see the white gleam of bone. And you see a strange muzzle shape but you're really concentrating on Ernest you pull him down swing your body up as much as you can and you jam the barrel of the shotgun into the creature it actually makes contact you push it into the flesh as you pull the trigger sixteen damage all right the barrels roar with the explosion and you are hurled backwards. Your um, your fist has like clamped like an iron bar around Ernest's ankle so that when you are flung backwards, he's jerked out of the creature's grip as it recoils. Uh, Ernest, you do feel a sensation of the claws tearing a little through skin, but mostly through your jacket, thankfully. Uh, as you crash to the ground, uh, you are hugely deafened. Now, I want both of you to take a D4 of stress damage. This is your first uh, actual encounter with the Wendigos so far. Now, just to remind you guys and the listeners, uh, the stress mechanic is actually something we haven't really been using because our show isn't normally scary enough. Um, but it means that when the characters are in under a huge amount of stress or something very frightening happens, you're going to take stress damage. Uh, if you reach your threshold, the characters each have their own threshold that we've determined, such as in Randy's case, about 25. Uh, when you hit that, I'm going to make you roll on a stress effect table, and that will determine what impact the stress has on your characters when they hit a breaking point. It could be as serious as they faint or lose health. Uh, It could be as minimal as they get an incredible headache or they uh, scream uncontrollably or something along these lines. Uh, Stress effects can be reduced if you take uh, steps, basically, to to do things that are good for your character's well-being. All right, uh, the two of you impact the ground. Uh, you hear the strangled cry of the creature as um, you almost see flames come up over its chest uh, as the shots impact through the rib cage um, and it falls crashing through branches and then scuttles into another tree and you've lost sight of it. Randy, uh, Basically, as soon as he hits the ground, because he's still got one arm on Ernest, he, like, changes his grip to, like, grab him by the belt and the back of the jacket and kind of half picks him up, half throws him forward and, like, well, back the way they were coming, like, chucking him that way. He's like, get to the library. I'm not telling you again. Ernest 
once again turns on his heel and says, you want to leave someone to one of them? I'm not telling you again, Randy. And he's going to start running again for the like the, the pub garden. Yep. Just cover me. Make an opposed roll. Okay. Uh, 11. Yeah, you definitely get past him. Uh, he rolled a four, so he was still reloading his shotgun while you were running past him. It's hard of the hand. It's... <laughs> oh, I hate these kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... Reloads the shotgun, clicks it close, and then runs after you. The adrenaline is definitely racing. You are dashing through the darkness, uh, vaulting over uh, stones and garbage bins over... I got a seven. Do I pick up the flare again? Yeah, sure. Yep, cool. uh, over picnic tables, you are moving deeper into the woods. You are leaving behind uh, the surveyor's lodge. Uh, you intermittently again hear screams and cries from the wood. It sounds like maybe one person, but possibly two. It's hard to differentiate the voices. They're coming in snatches, um, but they sound terrified. Ernest is running, and you see him start to slow down until he comes to a stop. Finally, you're listening to reason. Come on. He turns to you, and you see he's quite white. And you're not sure if it's a shock from before coming, but he just stares at you and says... What's wrong? Randy, if they were evacuating, they would have cleared the lodge first. Yeah? I forgot. So? Forgot what? What's your point? In some legends, Wendigos can mimic people's voices. Oh. Randy is starting to move step backwards now. Uh, I want both of you to make a perception check for me. Ten. Twelve! Alright. Randy's senses are highly attuned. Randy has dad's senses. (laughs) Go protect his child, his son. Uh, It is at this point that you both become uncomfortably aware that the voices have stopped, the cries have stopped. And then from your left, deeper in the trees, Ernest, you hear repeated back to you your own voice. They can mimic voices. And then from the right in Randy's voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then again in Ernest's voice. Whatever will they do so far out from there? Help me! Help me! (laughs) Help me! Help me! It's at this point that you hear another voice. It's not Ernest's and it's not Randy's. It's a voice that you don't recognise, but something about it has the reassuring quality of someone being incredibly angry with you. How about you help yourselves? And then there is a click and a thud and then an ignition of flame as something lands at the base of one of the nearby trees and explodes into fire, racing up the dry pine nettles, turning this tree into a giant torch. You feel a rough hand on the back of your collar, Ernest, and you spin around to see the long hair, the angular features and the bloodied face of Heath.
Both of you! Now! Alright, you feel the hand on your collar drag you and propel you, uh, and suddenly you are moving. You can see there are other figures with you. More than one of the tier operatives have come with Heath. As you turn and run the other way, you can see another group of shadows moving towards you. As they get closer, you see in the red light of the flare that you're holding Alistair's face with a few other tier operatives behind him. He comes up, uh, he runs up to you and he's like, when will you learn? When will you stop running away, Ernest Marsh? You are the worst. We leave this scene for just a moment and return to Heath still standing, bathed in the light of the burning tree. As he steps further into the light, he calls out in a large voice to address uh, the watching Wendigos. From his right hand, the warhammer swings, dripping blood. In his left hand, holds by the antlers, the severed head of one of the beasts. It is skeletal. The face is all skull and angular features. It looks like a strange distortion of a deer's skull. He spins the head and chucks it into the fire and calls out, Now run along home and tell the rest of your flock, this town is guarded. Heath, you can smell the singeing burning of the hair on the head. You can smell blood and you can hear movement. He swaps the the warhammer from one hand, bringing the, the end of it up to catch it with the other, holding it down two hands and spreads his stance, pulling the axe like head over his shoulder, waiting for them. They begin one after another to rush out of the darkness towards you. In the blur of the firelight, you can only see that they are big. They are huge, in fact, with long, long arms and legs. They rush for you, indistinct shapes so fast you can barely see, but your body reacts. You bring the axe down. Heath, using the light of the fire to kind of guide him, he takes a sidestep, feeling something move past him. He brings the axe down and feels it connect into something else. He tries to pull it out and feels some resistance. He reaches down behind his back and pulls out a similar shotgun to what Randy has, aiming it alongside the tree as he sees another thing dart across it and he fires it off twice, chucks the gun on the ground, puts his leg into whatever he's connected with and pulls the axe head out and brings the hand up and cracks it into whatever it was, pushing it back further. Takes a step back. Assistance! Alistair rolled at 11 plus 2 for his firearm. So before you've even yelled assistance, Alistair has taken aim with his 9mm and shot one of them in the head. Uh, as you shoot, to be very clear, these things are moving fast and in very uncertain light. All you are seeing is large, lithe shapes darting. Yeah, but I got a, I got a 13. Scuttling so up and down I'm trees. Like you shoot, yeah, you, you know that you impact and you're pretty sure you see the glint of bone. Um, and you hear a screech, but it's hard to tell exactly what you hit or where. Okay, Heath actually got a 15 as well. So. Okay, All right. Get the civilians out! You hear the shouted responses of your team uh, in the affirmative as they begin to spread out. Uh, as we return back to Ernest and Randy, you are being bundled by two of the tier operatives back in the direction of town towards the lights. Don't touch me, I know what I'm doing! Uh, Get your hands off! You hear one of them very gruffly say, Just do what I say. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Uh, Randy, 
he has his hands like one on your shoulder, one in the in the center of your back, pushing you, and then you suddenly feel his grip leave you, and you hear the strangled cry. And as you turn around, you just see him disappearing into the darkness. Okay, Randy gives chase. Ernest is still like back at the fire scene, like arguing with the people who are trying to like drag him away. So he hasn't noticed where Randy is. Right. Uh, Randy, as you start to move, the other operative that was with you, because I did say that there were two, uh, tries to grab you. He levels his gun up and tries to figure out where this thing is, but already the guy has gone too far. And just as he begins something grabs him from behind and drags him into the dark and you are left on your own. You are maybe, let's say, 15 metres from the rest of the operatives in earnest. They are down the hill from you. Up the hill, you have maybe 150 metres before you would actually hit the library. And you are in the darkest part here. You're not at the lights of the library in the town and you're not at the fire. Okay, uh, Randy looks over to where he can hear the sounds of Ernest and the other operatives, like, over to that side. He looks back and he considers for a minute, and then he turns back into the woods in the direction um, where the operatives were taken and turns his flashlight on. (sighs) Takes a deep breath. All right. All right, come on, show yourself. Come on. Come on, don't be shy. Come on, Randy wants to see you. Randy wants to see your smile. <laughs> Come on. And start slowly walking forward. All right. We return to Heath and Ernest and Alistair. Heath has... Uh, he hasn't bothered to reload his own shotgun. He's taken someone else's and is firing rounds of it off into between trees as things dart between it. He feels something moving through the smoke and he turns on his heels bringing the the edge of the the warhammer back and flings it up from the ground using his vertical ability to bring it up just as something is coming up towards him and he cracks it in the jaw and you see its feet leave the ground by like a foot or so lands back and then scuttles off into the distance he spins around and looks at Alistair and is like you know I love a fight but uh, I don't think this is doing much this is a bit much by the way silver silver works on them yes that Alistair, that's that's day one stuff. Werewolves, they're all, they all hate silver. I don't know. Uh, he's kind of like walking past you. There's still like heaps of things moving around. But he's turned his back and is walking back towards the flaming tree and like throws his hands in the air. He's like, I am yet to see one of them that can't like handle getting its head crushed. You know, it's just... The Warhammer works better. It's surprisingly better. effective. I'll give you that. It's like shooting them. Okay, uh, Heath, we need a head count. Have we got everyone? Heath it's is- then that you hear uh, a scream. You hear one of uh, the soldiers to your right uh, is taken to the ground as being dragged backwards fast. Okay, uh, Heath got uh, a 13 for this. He, hearing Alistair, takes off just like sidesteps, almost like leaning and then uses the vertigo ability, pushes off, going completely along his side, going onto his knees, using the um, the plating he has there to slide along the the hard, compacted dirt, bringing the warhammer along, scraping it along the side, looking out to the side, seeing the person on the ground, and swings the warhammer to whatever is near it. Yeah. Uh, you collide with the indistinct shape. You hear the crunch of bone, uh, and this thing howls as it lets go of the soldier. Uh, you can see that... It- Alistair has instinctively followed you in and as soon as you have passed the person and you've like dealt with the threat Alistair's getting them, helping them up, pulling them behind him. Go back, move that way, they went that way 
inner body, you are all beginning to, to clump back together and are heading back up the hill towards town. Uh, Heath is like, just walks past you, holds out his hand. Radio, I lost mine. Alistair pulls at his jacket and pulls out a spare radio, gives it to him. Here you go. He flicks it on. Morning start here. Everyone back. Everyone back. I lost my radio. Everyone back now. I want you all the library. Every civilian, every team member, now. All right, as you are moving back, uh, you are gaining ground. It's almost like a circle uh, of tier operatives shining torches, moving so that someone is facing every direction, keeping Ernest roughly in the middle of them. Uh, they kind of also keep Alistair as close to the middle as they can, despite his sort of trying to shove, because technically he's not supposed to be in yeah combat. Um, I'm just going to say, Heath chucks your radio back to you, and what he's doing is he is hanging out about four or five metres out from the circle, kind of back to where they were along. As they're, like, moving around the building, he's in staying in the street because his goal is to draw any of the Wendigo's attempts. Yep lead them towards him rather than towards the group. And so if he gets yep. attacked, they can rush over and help him. And if they get attacked, they're all there to support each other type of thing. But his thing is they'll come for me first. Yep. Hey, Ernest, you all right? Yep, yep, um, I'm all right. Are you hurt? Did they do anything to you? Do we... No, just scratches. Got enough of them. I'm all good. You are <sighs> yeah. entering under okay. the streetlights right. again. You're just across the road from the library. Heath is keeping his distance, staying apart, making himself a target, but they seem not to be following as you make your way back to the hospital. Sorry, to the library. Uh, Puck is at the door. As the circle begins to break up and they they spread out a little more, uh, Puck is ordering them to different points inside the building to batten it down to survey entrances and exits uh, to patrol, basically. Uh, Heath comes back, joins the rest of the group and points at Puck. He's like, Puck, I want a head cap. Alistair, in my, he like does quote, office, you, and he points it out at Ernest and he like picks Ernest up by like the scruff of the neck of the jacket and starts carrying him back inside. And I was like, go to the rest of the civilians. We have it for now. And he like puts him down. It's like, I can understand a troublemaker, but whoever you are, tourists, whatever it is, don't go snapping pictures off in the dark when there is a, uh, you know, a an emergency going on. Just go, sit down, and we'll we'll, Heath, we'll do everything. Heath, for the- Heath, what? This is this is Ernest. Ernest, this is my friend Ernest. He turns to to Ernest. He like leans in close a little bit and says, "You asked his friend, uh, yeah." then you should know better. And he pushes past Ernest into the library. Alistair looks at Ernest. He's like, I'm glad you're okay. I know you probably went off to help someone. That's, that's really good. We had to send half of our force out to find you when we could have been securing the perimeter. Like, I, I know you're here on your own, but... We're here to help you too, but we can't do that if you run off and then we have to use our resources to go after you when we could have been helping the rest of the people that live here. Just... Ernest nods. Don't be afraid of... I know know you're a separate entity, but that doesn't mean we can't work together, yeah? 
Ernest nods and looks at you and smiles like, yeah, sorry about that, but the working together bit, that, that's yet to be decided, but don't worry. Yeah, it's we won't right. inconvenience Just you again. Don't wander off. <laughs> that's what I do. And he's going to start walking in. I think I'm about to uh, go get in trouble myself. Alistair walks over, walks uh, back into the office, <laughs> the quote-unquote office. It's probably like a reception desk. You enter into Heath's quote-unquote office, which is basically what was the original like printer room of the library, and they've moved all that type of stuff out, and he has a desk, and like there's a few things set up, but it's currently empty. Heath is... Over on one side, he's pouring uh, a water bottle into his hands, rubbing it between his hands and rubbing it over his face. You see that he is quite beaten up. He has uh, like a gash taken out of his shoulder, scratches down his arm, down his leg. His like silvery shirt is like torn to pieces and there's a large like matted area of blood on like the right-hand side of his head that he is wiping the blood away from his face and grabbing what appears to be another one of his shirts and is cleaning the blood off of that one. Heath chucks down the, um, the shirt and wipes the, the water off his face and looks at Alistair. Why didn't you tell me that he was here? I didn't get time. And I didn't consider it the highest priority. Sorry, I should have. When I went to do that, it was a bit late. What's he doing here? Uh, the same as us. I, I, I didn't know he was coming. I found out that the second we arrived as well. I think he got a tip off from someone about this situation and he came to deal with it on his own. He didn't even tell me he was doing so, it. Alistair, in the, which is not good. In the time we were prepping, in the what, hour, two hours that we had, you didn't think... It prudent to tell me that there was a second party involved that might be running off into the distance that I need to also worry about. No. Okay. Well, next time, please do. That would... I'd like to know what pieces are on the board when I'm trying to work out how to stop pieces from being taken. I'm not going to... Yeah. I'm not going to just berate you, Alistair. It's not... The choice is done. No, I, I know, but... Yeah. Can you ask him in? Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, if this is giving him the, the talk about not wandering off, don't worry, I've, I've already mentioned that. I want to know what he's doing. Yeah, I'm sure. not having unaccounted pieces. Alistair opens the door and steps out. Ernest! Ernest looks up from one of the bookshelves and sees you. Hmm? Hey, uh, can you come in for a minute? Heath wants to chat to yeah. you. Oh, goody. And he, kind of, he walks into the room and <laughs> pauses for a second and kind of walks in. A bit surprised. He hadn't seen how, like, bloody this mysterious man was before. Heath rounds his desk and holds out his hand. It's like, and you are... Mr. Marsh. Yes, Mr. Marsh. Ernest shakes his hand. Uh, yeah. Ernest Marsh. Hmm. 
He leans, he kind of turns around and sits down on his desk. I apologize. I'm. You see, I. I probably know more about you than you know about me. When Alistair came to work with me, it was my responsibility, same with Pack, to understand their supernatural background. I need to be. I need to know what type of experiences they have so things don't get triggered and I don't know what's going on. So I have heard about you. And I heard that you are back. Ernest Marsh, what are you doing here? This is a big scale operation. Ernest Marsh, it's a big thing. And I don't know what your involvement here is. So until I know that, I don't know whether you should be here with the rest of the civilians or if you're a danger to them. Because you were a danger to my men out there. Ernest crosses the room and looks out one of the windows and looks back to Heath. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know anything about you. Uh... I have heard about you. I'm guessing you're Heath. I apologize for being a danger to your men. That's not what I was hoping to do. That's the opposite of what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to... Oh, I wouldn't say help is the thing. I don't really understand what you're doing here. It's... I don't like a lot of the things I've heard about here. I hear stuff from Alistair and it all sounds rather good, but... How about this? You tell me what you guys are doing here, and I'll tell you what I'm doing here. Yeah, well, we were dispatched here to deal with some kind of creatures that we'd heard from one of our trackers were moving in unusual ways and collecting in larger numbers than he was expecting. He didn't know exactly what we were going to be up against, but we ascertained... We realized that they were probably going to be moving into this area and that this village might be under threat. So we were dispatched. Uh, well, Heath was dispatched uh, along with Puck and I to oversee the situation uh, and we brought some operatives with us. And our goal is to ascertain exactly what was going on, which I guess we've done now, and... It's a lot more of a problem than we thought. So at this point, we need to regroup and decide what our plan is going forth because we thought we were here for a reconnaissance mission. And uh, yeah, things have taken a bit of a turn. Ernest turns back to the window and looks through a small break in the boards that have gone up over the glass. Reconnaissance. See, that doesn't quite deal with the first thing you said, Alistair, which is, and he turns to you, deal with. Well, if, to fix any problem, we needed intel. Like, I mean, we didn't know that we were coming and dealing with a pack of Wendigos. We, we thought it could just be wolves or some large kind of creature. So, Well, now that you know I mean, yeah, the Wendigos, we deal with what is the deal with? Uh, Alistair kind of looks at a loss because you, you can kind of tell that his, uh, whether it's because it's above his pay grade or whether it's because 
they didn't know or if it's just he's there for tactics and he's not kind of in charge of the overall mission. He kind of looks at a bit of a loss and then looks at Heath and he's like, well, I guess that's not up to me. Heath crosses his arms and leans back on the table. I, I, I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be quarantined at tier headquarters because, well, you've seen the gun. But they allowed me after... A bit of a bit of back and forth. They allowed me to come as an advisor, as a as a strategic advisor. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of it's not my job to decide. It's my job to figure out the best way to. Yeah, I uh, I can see where you're going to take this, Mister Marsh. I'm starting to work out your angle and all this. When I say deal with. What do you think I mean when you have a band of who knows how many rabid animals? Not even that, that's, that's a bit too nice. Monsters that are out there do you, killing for sport. And you wonder what the deal with options are? Everyone here, everyone in this town, within a week, would just be a mutilated corpse with every bit of meat on their bones licked off. If they are a threat to people just trying to survive in a town that's already dying, then I will personally deal with them. Ernest looks dead at Heath and says, then let me explain what I'm doing here. Because I'm here to deal with them as well. But I'm not here to judge them. Because I know what type of thing they are. I know very well. They were humans who have given themselves over to this. In one way or another. Hold on. Ernest. These were people? Yep. Oh. So I, I understand. But I'm not here to judge what they are or what they've done. And I'm not here to be an executioner for that. Because I've done some, some bad stuff in my life. I've made some dumb decisions. And yeah, they've, these things have made worse decisions. But how, what gives me the right to judge that? To throw the first stone? To... I'm here to give them a chance to say, hey, the cavalry's coming and they're going to wipe you out. But if you listen to me now, you can have a chance. I am a watchman for, the, for humans against monsters and I'm also a watchman for the monsters. I'm here to give them a chance. And from the sound of things, it sounds to me, he's like, you just don't understand the, the finer details of what I'm trying to do here. There's a difference between just destroy. Heath, you haven't seen him move this quick outside of like a fight as he just takes off the desk and is an inch from Ernest's face. And you can tell he is just so much taller than Ernest and just seems to be getting taller. As he towers over Ernest. <laughs> Heath 
jabs Ernest in the chest with his finger and says, The finer details. Ernest Marsh, you have no idea what you are talking about here. I have seen kingdoms burn because of the human race. The only people I have ever truly known are nearly extinct because of the human race. So don't lecture me about the finer details. I have seen those details in absolute clarity. Let me tell you something else. Your little watchmen, all right? Sounds like there's a few of you. They're nice and fun for now, but let me ask, what experience do you have? I've heard about some, you know, some zombie-like things on your little island. And obviously you have, at some stage, dealt with Wendigos. A truly fabulous selection. Yes. Perfect for you and your boys. Nice and easy. Clap yourselves on the back and head home. But what about this? I've seen things, Ernest Marsh. Things that would curdle that stoic heart of yours. I have seen something you can't even comprehend. It's something the human race is just terrified of. We try to hide it. Call it a disorder. Something brought about by past traumas. Always the product of something else. Something to be fixed by drugs or therapy. All in an attempt to hide the fact that it's part of us. I've seen pure evil. I've seen it fester in the dark, in the black waters. I've seen it consume, fill itself to bursting. There is evil in the world, Ernest March. Pure evil. You can't reason with it. It won't give you the light of day. It'll just start skinning you. Oh, and trust me. Trust me, I've seen it happen. So, Ernest Marsh, reason with them all you like. But don't you dare try to bite the hand that's pulling you out of the belly of the beast. And don't you think moral high horsing and sitting up there will be enough to keep you out of the reach of what moves in the deep. Now get out of my sight. Heath, going from one finger to two fingers and pushes Ernest back a few steps. And Ernest then comes back at him. I don't know who you are. And you don't know me. I don't know what you've done so far in your life. All I know is... I've... I've seen people die for this life, for tear, for so many different things, for so many different goals. What's so wrong about trying to stand in the middle of that and try to just stop both parties from running at each other? Alistair steps between you both and he looks first at you, Ernest, in a very kind of glaring way. And then a little bit less intensely, because it's also kind of his teacher and his boss at Heath. He goes, you two, eventually we have to decide what we are doing with these creatures. I agree. I get it. And this is important. 
But when you're done showing off at each other, he looks towards the door. We have... We have a building full of people in a town surrounded by creatures. Call them monsters. Call them people. I don't care. Can we come back to this when we're sure that we've actually done our job? Like, I know... Ernest, I know you have a responsibility to do what you want to do to try and help these creatures. That's fine. I respect that. We also, whether we're a team or not, whether Tyr wants you to be here, whether you're frustrated by our methods, we're all here. We all have a responsibility. The people, the innocent people who this war or whatever you're going to call it is a, is descending upon them can we deal with one problem at a time Heath walks over and leans back against his desk Alistair keep Tia talk to Tia operatives thank you Ernest and he turns around his desk and sits down Ernest looks to you looks to Heath gives like a half grimace at you Alistair takes your grin and then diverts his eyes to the ground like not he not avoiding you but like yeah well i've got a team to go check on and ernest walks back through the office door he's he's not a he has a point and i i've been through enough with him to know that He's worth listening to. If you if you treat him like a problem, he's going to become a problem. I I know he's not Tia. That doesn't mean he's not qualified to help in this situation. And we are vastly outnumbered. So the more help we have, the better. I I know you're in charge. I know you're in charge, but Heath has poured out more water into his hands and is wiping his hands clean again. I just... I don't want to just sit here and let you insult my friend and send him out there with the rest of the civilians when I know that he can help us. I know that he is valuable. And maybe you have some regulation or something that is stopping you, but I think we're a little bit beyond that, aren't we? Alistair, he looks up from his hands as he's flicking them clean. Stand on the fence all you like, but the devil owns the fence. And tonight I need my team. Go get Puck. You can you can see like all of the all of the arguments that have like and the indignation that's immediately springing to his mind that he would normally launch into. He fights very hard to push them down and not talk back to his teacher again because he's already pushed the line many times. He swallows it. Yes, Heath. I will talk to Ernest again in the morning, if that would make you happy. I'm not talking to him again tonight. 
I have to work out the damage tonight. Please go get Puck. The damage. Plan of action. He nods and opens the door to get Puck. Puck is standing in the doorway, like, <laughs> with her hand out about to push the door open. Alistair jumps a little bit. <laughs> Don't do that. <sighs> the boss wants you. I wasn't trying to. Sorry. In you go. She sidesteps you and moves into the room. Alistair steps out and closes the door behind him um, and walks over to find Ernest. He's going back to the to the bookshelf he was before as pulling out a, a history book of the town itself. Alistair like walked past a stand of like um, you know a water cooler and gets two cups of water and he takes one to Ernest. Just gives it to him and stands there for a second, sips the water. Are the others alright? Oh yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I should radio Sherman. He, he's pulling out the radio and has it halfway to him. And he just stares at it for a second. They're in the cabin, right? Ernest? He clicks his head up and starts looking around. They're in the... They're in the cabin. He looks at you dead on. Where's Randy? Randy, he... I thought he was I thought he was with the rest of us when we were being moved by the tea guys. I thought he... He got caught with me. Like, well, caught, found with me. I thought he went on ahead of us. Is he with some other tears? Like, he was taken with them. Puck, Like, Puck. we all moved together. He walks back in. Puck, have you seen Randy? Just as you call out, you see Puck coming through the door with Heath close behind her. Uh, you can see the look on both their faces. Alistair, uh, yeah, we've got a problem. So, so do we, Randy. Well, uh, that makes three then. Great. I am your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lydon. Uh, if you enjoy Dark Tides, you can follow us on most forms of social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash darktidespod, Twitter at twitter.com slash darktidespod, and Reddit at r slash darktides. You can also check out our wonderful Patreon account. Uh, that is a place where you can uh, support us financially and get access to a heap of bonus content including uh, a whole other sci-fi show that we play, uh, tons of bonus episodes from within the Dark Tides world, uh, question and answer episodes, all sorts of fun things, and access to our Discord. Even a four-part prequel series that we recorded between the season one and two break. That too, that's there as well. Uh, so check those things out, and we will see you in the next fun-packed episode. Thank you.